Welcome to Love Lift Life podcast. I'm your host, Yuko Kudo, an artist and storyteller. Here on this podcast, you can connect with the like-hearted people one story at a time. The conversations focused on art, people, and social good. Special thanks to Prime Produce Apprentice Cooperative, Guild for Good, here in the heart of New York City. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Because we need each other more than ever, and we don't have to do it alone. So now, let's connect. In this episode, I had a conversation with Rada Patel. She's a founder of Single to Shoddy, the premier matchmaking service. We talked about clarifying what you want in your relationship and the evolution of dating, from how we meet people to going beyond geographic restriction. Here's Rada. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. I invited Rada Patel. She is a founder of the premier South Asian matchmaking service, Single to Shoddy, and. I am super excited because this is the first time in my podcast that I'm talking about the relationship. So thank you and welcome, Rada. Thank you, Yuko. I'm very excited to be here today. Yay! How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. It's almost Friday. Almost Friday, indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, what is a fun fact that most people don't know about you? Ooh, a fun fact about me.、Um, I used to be very athletic when I was younger. I was actually captain of my tennis team. I played field hockey. I was very, very athletic. And now, if you meet me now, it's the complete opposite. Like getting me to go to a workout class is it's like the end of my day. I, I would never do it. So it's a interesting transition, I guess, from childhood to where I am now. You played field hockey. Oh yeah, I played field hockey. I played softball, but that wasn't really my jam. I needed that action. I like that constant movement. So,、um, yeah, and now I'm living a very sedentary lifestyle in front of a computer. <laughs> in front of the computer, as sitting down is a different way of workout. All right. So again, this is the first time I feel like in the podcast history ever since I started, we're talking about relationships. So I'm very excited to see what you're gonna share and what comes out from our conversation. But first, I want you to share a little bit about your relationship and your relationship with your husband. And I was very fascinated to hear that you met him in a wedding convention. Can you tell me about that? Absolutely. So, as you know, with South Asians, marriage is like the number one thing on everybody's mind. It's the number one on parents' mind, kids' mind, everyone's mind.、Um, and so, when I was dating, or you know, when I was at that age, I knew that yeah, dating is great, but I eventually wanted to get married, and I knew kind of what I was looking for in a partner. And so,、um, I, there's this matrimonial convention that our community would put on every year, and I would go with my girlfriends more so just to as an excuse to you know travel or get away and, and meet with our Friends and hang out for a weekend. And the one year that I went, my husband also ended up coming to that same、uh, convention, and we met at that time. And I knew kind of immediately, like I was joking, saying I manifested it. That I knew I was like, this is the guy. This is going to turn into a marriage. We, I just got to find out how I'm going to do it.、Um, and and yeah, that's how I met my husband. So fast forward, we've been married for 12 years now. We have two children.、Um, you know, ups and downs, all that stuff that happens in a marriage. But I think fundamentally, we identified kind of those key qualities that we wanted in a partner. And when we met that weekend, 
it was kind of just like, oh yeah, this, this works and everything else kind of falls into line, right? There's obviously ups and downs throughout your marriage, but that fundamental is still there. And, and that is what sees us through, I think. Mm. Was it almost intuitive knowing that this is going to work or like, did you have a, some type of check ABC list with you and like, oh, mentally you're going through it. Which one was it for you? I think it's a combination of both. I think one, just by going to a, a matrimonial convention that was like ticking, ticking off a lot of my boxes because he was South Asian. I already knew a little bit about his person, you know, um, family history, this and that. But then the intuition came in because we interacted a couple of times over the weekend and each interaction, you were just like, you felt it, right? Like those butterflies or you feel it in your gut. And I was like, okay, I already know on paper, it's everything that I wanted. Now our interactions are, are there, we're vibing. I mean, what more do you want in life, right? You get that vibe and that connection and really that hopefully if it's the right connection, that's what should take us through. Mm, love that. So can we go back just a little bit before that? And how do you know what was what you wanted? I think when you're starting out, even it's a dating app, I remember the first time you used a dating app, I was being asked in all these questions within just to make a profile. And I actually have no idea what I want. So I'm wondering if you're clear on what do you want it or what was the process like? And you know, you go, you're not the only one. A lot of people think that, you know, when you try to map out what it is that you want in life, it's that checklist. It's what's on paper, right? I want somebody who earns this much, who grew up this way, da, 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 da. But for me, yeah, some of that was important. I know he, I wanted him to do the South Asian. I wanted him to understand that immigrant experience that I, you know, my family went through. But for me, more so knowing what I wanted, it was trial and error. Um, you have to kiss a lot of frogs in order to find your prince. So mm-hmm. casual dating definitely has a space in the world. I think people tend to have a bad rap around apps saying that it's all about casual dating, this and that. But as long as you're honest with your mindset on why you're using those apps, casual dating definitely has a purpose and a reason because it's going to help you understand what you do and you don't want in life. It's easy to kind of put it out on paper or think I've seen this and this in other people's relationships. I also want it. But until you had to experience it or go through um, a challenging relationship, you're not going to know what it is that you want for yourself. That clear at least. Yeah, it sounds like more trial round or practice round. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, I think that's what dating is, right? You're, you're, exhibiting your personality, understanding how other people are receptive to your personality, and then identifying characteristics that, you know, work in what you think would be a relationship. How is that going to go long-term? Because, you know, a lot of times with dating or when you're meeting somebody, it's all about, well, do I get along with them? Are we friends? Can we joke around? But there's more to it when you want to get into a real relationship, kind of like future outlook and goals that you only realize once you're in a serious relationship or once you've had that opportunity to interact with different types of relationships. Mm, These are all really, really great takeaway. And I was actually very surprised to hear that you, you actually never used a dating app, right? 
No, I did not. They weren't around when I was dating. Um, we had some of those older platforms like Match.com and mm. some more niche for the South Asian community, but they were very web-based, very rudimentary. Um, and I think what the invention of the apps did was make it much more accessible and mainstream. Uh, I had a couple of family friends that met on those old platforms and it was kind of embarrassing to say, oh, we met online. You know, that stigma was still very mm-hmm. much around. And now fast forward to 2020, 2021, it's, I I think I saw a study that said one out of uh, every four relationships begins online. So about 25% of relationships begin online. And so it's much more normalized now. And I think the apps had a lot to do with that. Um, There's also the downside of it, which I'm sure we'll get into, or some of your listeners might know as well, but the enablement and bringing, bringing that opportunity into the palm of your hand, I think it was revolutionary. Mm, probably that's a segue into the next question because I was against dating app for the longest time and especially in the line of work that I meet people all the time and maybe that was a pros and cons to both and because I'm meeting in the professional scenario like you know I create an event I host so and so so it's always me as a professional presenting something but I meet people all the time so part of me was I still believe in this natural organic thing that to meet people randomly, but it was not leading into romantic relationship per se. And how I met my partner, we just moved in a few months ago, and it was the last time I said, if this doesn't work out, this dating app thing, I'm going to delete this app and I'm never going to use it again. And voila, he showed up. So many people yo-yo like that. They'll download them. They'll be involved. You know, you know, and, and the thing is that at the end of the day, dating apps are designed to keep you engaged on their platform. They want you to be interacting. They want you to be in it. They want you to be spending time in it. And that's vice completely contrary to meeting people organically, meeting people in real life. So it's that dichotomy of who you are as a person, maybe a lot of geographic constraints as well. Um, Mm. You know, if you're in a remote area, it's hard to meet people, you might need to go online. Um, And I think that intention is also true. What you said, Yuka, right? Like if you meet somebody in the real world, do you know that they're single? Do you know that they're looking? Whereas the apps make it easy or they serve it up for you in your hand saying, you know, this guy is looking there's still obviously some dark corners of are their intentions and motivations true? Um, But the idea is that you've got a a pool of people that you can dive in and start with, which is something you don't get in the organic real world atmosphere. Right. That is so true. Ah, so much learning. (laughs) But I am less resistant or less disapproval of dating up after all. I love my partner. He's awesome. Absolutely. And there's no stigma. I don't think there should be a stigma around it at all. I always tell my clients to keep keep yourself open, right? Like let the universe know that you're open to meeting people. It doesn't matter how they come into your life. What's important is that the right people come into your life. Right. So, okay, let's talk about your business. Let's talk about you as a matchmaker. What inspired you? What exactly you do? Spill everything for us. 
Absolutely. So I was inspired because um, we found it in 2018 after hearing from, uh, you know, my single friends and family, even people from that auntie generation, that older generation, they've come to me and be like, hey, Radha, do you know any single people? Or, hey, Radha, I'm looking to date. Do you know anybody who lives? Da, 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 da. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm married. I have kids. I'm not single. I don't know single people. What is happening? And I realized it's because a, it's hard to meet people in real life. This is pre-pandemic and still it was very hard. You know, when you're an adult and you're working, you're focused on, and hustling and, and making a name for yourself, you're not out there randomly at a bar on a Tuesday night trying to meet people. So mm -hmm. your networks are shrinking. People recognize in me that, hey, Radha knows a lot of people. She's well-connected. I love networking. I love meeting new people, similar to kind of how you had mentioned that you, you're out and about in the world. You're always meeting new people. And so was I. I was involved in a lot of community organization. I'm a big advocate for the South Asian community in the U.S. So it was just a natural instinct for people to ask me if I knew single people. And one that was happening, I realized that, you know what? I could do this as a hobby. So many people do it. They set their friends up. Why don't I try? And I started out with a Google spreadsheet. I put all my friends that were single, try to bucket them by age or by geos and realize that the 10, 15 people I knew was not enough. It was not going to be a good way or an effective way for me to actually match them. And so I decided, why not create a platform or do something that was more matchmaking, not tech driven. But also when I started researching matchmaking, I realized that it was really expensive one, right? It was geared for people who were going to spend thousands of dollars. So automatically right. you're kind of segmenting out a certain population of people. And in our community, when it gets to that word matchmaking, it's usually because older adults or parents are engaging them. And then so that values in that compatibility concept was not brought into the process. So I knew right away that when I was going to approach it, I wanted it to be much more from a, hey, we want you guys to be compatible from day one to day 1000. We want to make sure that your values and everything are aligning as much as possible before we do that introduction. So the chances of success are there. And also then that affordability piece, bringing it back down, I don't think that matchmaking should only be for wealthy you know, professionals and urban centers. And so those were some of the key principles that I took into it when I created Single Dashadi. Um, fast forward to where we are now, we have over 650 active clients. And how we work is essentially, we optimize the search process. So after an in-depth interview, where we kind of understand what it is that you're looking for, what's important to you, how you imagine your future with your partner, family, things like that, we then optimize that search. We go into the database, we expand into our networks and try to find somebody we think would be a good match for you. And it's a pay as you go kind of concept. So nobody gets obligated. They're not spending a fortune. And you can continue meeting people organically if that's the way you want to. If you've got that in your life or meeting people organically, it's not like you have to be exclusive with us because you're putting all your eggs in one basket since you spent so much money. Um, so that's a little bit about how I got started and how we work. I love that. So, okay, you are sharing all this world of matchmaking that I had no idea how that works. So my parents are arranged marriage, so it's in the similar um, lanes of that. But 
it, it really comes down to you and your team understanding who these people are, right? And also, yeah, and it really is about the your clients also knowing and trying to discover and learn and reevaluate who you are. So one thing that you shared with me the other day is like the first thing they need to do is really work on themselves. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Absolutely. So kind of like when we're talking about casual dating, how you do trial and error, understand what is it you're looking for. You know, the first rule in self-help or anywhere that you hear is that you have to love yourself first. So by taking the time to do the work on who you are and being honest with yourself, um, we go through it in the interview. We touch on it. I want to know a little bit your motivations on why you're seeking a partner for a long-term relationship. A lot of times, um, and I'm not sure if this is the same in your community, but within the South Asian community, we're not very much encouraged to date. We're not encouraged to talk about um, feelings when it comes to romance and sexuality and things like that. So I want to make sure that when my clients come to me and say, hey, I'm ready for marriage, that they've taken a beat. They've taken that time to understand. And it's not, you don't have to have been in a long-term relationship. You don't have to have gone through these breakups and heartaches and things, but have you thought about it? Have you role-played? Have you gone through scenarios? I, I take them through even like is there been a significant crush in your life and what happened or why didn't you act on it? And really just try to get them to understand the underlying motivations and reasons for why they're looking for a long-term relationship because marriage isn't for everyone and there's nothing wrong with that, but why waste that time and effort and energy pursuing something that might not be what's right in your life. Right. So true. And I've, a lot of people, especially if the family is very traditional or coming from like a South Asian community or whatnot, you might think you want to marry, but maybe that's not what you want to do. And I'm hearing so many more of my clients coming to me saying that I don't want children. So I'm looking for a partner who's on board with that up front. Things like that, which would you taboo in, in the old school culture. You right. can't ever think about not having a family. Um, we don't explicitly ask about, um, you know, your sexual compatibility or comfortableness, but if it's there and that's a priority for you and you want that to be something important in your relationship, absolutely. We'll talk about it. We'll address it. And we'll try to bring that into that matchmaking process as well. Things that we know that are important to this next generation, millennials, Gen Z's that are coming up into the, that dating lifestyle, we want to make sure that we're helping you find what is important to you, even if it's not necessarily the traditional view on what should be in a marriage or a relationship. I love that. That is so beautiful and powerful. And I, I think that it's a very freeing concept for a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people have been asked that question with an intention to see is this what you really want in your relationship, the long-term relationship? I don't think a lot of people have that opportunity to ask themselves. Exactly. And that's why we do that exercise with them because I understand how important it is and how easy it is to kind of gloss over that in your day-to-day -day life. That's awesome. When was the first time you asked yourself that question? I don't I necessarily asked myself, but I recognized it when I was thinking about qualities that I wanted in a partner. Um, Obviously, when we think about matching with people, attraction is a big part of it. And I always tell my clients that you shouldn't feel bad because you like what you like or you want what you want, because it is evolutionary at the end of the day. Uh, we are 
animals, we're creatures, and uh, some of that evolutionary instinct does drive what we're attracted to. But then we add in our, our human side of it and say, how do we find that right balance? How do you get what you need from the evolutionary standpoint, but then also get what you need from that emotional, spiritual, all of that fulfillment as well. So it's about finding that right blend. For me, I think it was um, maybe not necessarily knowing it offhand, but recognizing it when I found my partner. Mm. What are the some of the like advice that you can give to people so that they can notice more? Be in tune with your emotions, right? So your gut, honestly, 80% of the time is right. So if something feels weird or awkward or different, lean into it. Don't just run away. Well, one, yes, it's a red flag, but two, lean into it. Understand what's that fundamental driver, underlying driver of what is making you feel uneasy or why you think you want to back away so that you recognize that earlier next time around. So if there's somebody, let's say a red flag, if somebody is controlling in the sense that um, they're the ones who are always planning your dates or they're the ones who are always controlling who's going to be involved in your group activities. If there's a red flag in your mind that's like, well, I really like my friends to be involved or why aren't we going to my friend's birthday dinner instead of um, you know, doing something that my partner wants to do. If that's coming up, understand what your motivation is, right? Well, because you value friendships and you value that diversity in your life, your partner is not going to define who you are. And that's how you recognize, okay, this is important to me. And if you can't make it work for that partner, now you know in your next relationship, okay, this is something that I'm looking for. Mm, it kind of reminds me of the saying like every encounter is for you to learn about yourself is very similar to the casual dating. It's similar to the dating app and everything that you get to learn about yourself and what you want and you're there to, you and your team are there to guide people into understanding who they are more. And it's that mindset, right? You have to have that approach to life that every experience is for me to learn from. It, you know, good or bad doesn't matter, but did I grow from that experience? I think mm. that is the key shift in mentality that even I've had to make in the last, you know, five to seven years as I've been doing more work on myself and getting in tune with self-care and understanding, you know, what makes me tick. I'm not just this person running through life every day. There's an underlying driver and motivation that, you know, you can use those same kind of examining principles outside of relationships too. Um, you know, am I fulfilled in my career? Is my family life what I wanted it to be? Things like that. It's, um, I love this new agey concept that's come out and maybe we do have to credit the younger millennials or gen z for bringing this into the consciousness or into the cultural landscape but taking a beat to understand what motivates me and what's important to me there's nothing wrong with that i love that there are two things that i want to ask you and you can take either of the one first one you started talking about sexuality and a younger generation and there are more open culture around the queer community. And I think it's still a lot of hush-hush in the Asian and South Asian community. So that's one thing I'm curious about. And the second part is talk about family and the generational stuff. And the expectations from families and aunties. Like, So I'm curious of those two. Um, so whichever you want to share first. 
So I am very proud to say that from day one, Single to Shadi was open to all orientations, all sexual preferences, all gender identities. We created our onboarding platform as such that each person can identify how they want without me. And I'm still learning as well. So, you know, we've got people that we consult with in the community that identify as gay or queer, um, the South Asian community. So, you know, as much as I can always be open from day one, that was our principle. We have a hashtag, which means love is love in Hindi, because I knew that that is something fundamentally I believed in as a, as a person. And I didn't want to be engaged in a business where my values weren't identified as well. Um, and then I'm constantly growing. So as I mentioned, we've got other people that we consult with in the community to help me understand what I don't know, because I don't want to exclude anybody or marginalize anybody out of my um, ignorance on the matter. So I'm very, very proud of that. I'm proud to say that we have queer clients, um, have not been successful yet in matching them for a variety of reasons, but we are definitely taking them and, um, and, and working with them. And it's kind of a collaboration. I'm learning from my queer clients as much as they're getting from me, which is super exciting. Um, and then that second part of talking about how the family and the generations and the pressures come in, um, I think that's why we insist on working with single individuals themselves and not the family members. Old school matchmaking, especially in the Indian community, is usually done by the parents. And the parents kind of say, well, this is what we're looking for, da 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 da, da without any consideration of what, what the, the person getting married is looking for. So right off the bat, um, our quote is, we are not your parents' matchmaker. That, that identifies all of the values that represent single Rashadi. So working with all gender identities, working with people who have different needs or wants than what their parents want from them. So during the onboarding, experience we talk about what religious backgrounds are you open to what communities or subsects are you open to things that parents would be like oh no we want exactly like this we want you know the c word the cast word we do not ask about that um astrology and compatibility is also very big in south asian community i also do not match based on that i'm really trying to look at personality traits and values as a point of compatibility. And so um, I, oftentimes I have clients who are like, well, my parents really want me to find somebody like this. And I tell them, what do you want? I know your parents prefer this, but what do you want? And we know families ultimately end of the day, obviously are a huge part of who we are. We're marrying into each other's families, not just an individual, but if you want something specific in the sense that you're willing to fight for it with your family, then that's a consideration that you need to make for yourself and that we will help you in your search process. So maybe that onboarding questionnaire or that interview is really an eye-opening experience to a lot of people because of the values that I'm bringing to the table. That must be super relieving and comforting for your clients. I get so much feedback after the interview of them saying, wow, this is refreshing. Rather, I really took the time to understand me and my needs versus just what the society or my family expects from me. I get a lot of good feedback in that sense. And it, in a way, it can be like a cathartic experience, people who have not taken the time to do that deeper dive. But there's only so much I can do in one hour. And I always encourage them to continue on, on that path that we've started in that conversation. I love that. I feel like that 
is one of the things that continue to grow especially with the career community coming into your clientele like the question the onboarding and everything is a personal but how was it like for you to be building that initial onboarding stuff it was so exciting i love it you know i look back to my original questionnaire how i started and how it evolved over the years i learned a lot from my clients Obviously, I'm like, who's looking for what and some questions that I need to start paying attention to. But I think we've gotten it to a place where I hit on all those key points. Yeah, we talk about demographics, you know, but then we also get into understanding who you are as a person versus what it is that you're looking for in a partner. And then I, me and the team, we take that and blend it together to create that profile or that bio on who, who our single individual is or who our client is. That's funny. You get a lot of people who are like, oh, well, can I see my bio? And can I change it? And can I craft it? And I try to tell them that that's wonderful. You've got a vision for yourself and who you are and what you want to put out there. Use it on the apps, use it in your real world, but let me kind of use my experience and expertise to craft it or frame this view of you when I'm out there trying to match you for what you're looking for. Um, so I think that's interesting letting, uh, that letting go for some clients is a little bit harder, but that's the difference between the DIY, DIY approach in the apps versus putting your, your trust and faith into somebody like myself and my team who've been doing this and who understand a little bit more or, or broadly about what's going on in, in the dating and relationship space. And I'm curious how you and your team work together. Well, technology, unfortunately, is a driving factor. So we do a lot on Slack. Uh, we have a CRM. We do collaborate. We, you know, I've got an associate matchmaker. She and I are in touch every day about, ooh, what about this guy for her? What about that guy for her? So we really get to know our clients intimately because we are working in their profiles. We're touching them. We're like, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, so Technology, I think, is huge. It helps us be in different places. You know, this team of mine kind of came together organically over the past year and a half, two years, and the pandemic just further solidified our reliance on technology. But I would say it also helps because now I can meet clients in different places all over the world, different time zones, different place, uh, you know, wherever they are in their life and through a Zoom meeting. So it allows me to help more people or work with more people um, without the constraints of physically or geographically being in a certain place. I also think that um, with, with our team, the way that we collaborate or, or internally work together, they're empowered. They bring me ideas all the time or they go out and find other people we can collaborate with and, and things. Also, they're younger, so they're actively dating. I get to learn a lot from my team about the apps and dating scene and life like that. It helped a lot during the pandemic to get their perspective on virtual dating, speed dating, things like that. Um, so I'm very proud of that team that we put together. And I love, we're all women. Um, so women empowerment, yay! Um, but we're all in tune with each other, and we kind of we kind of vibe very well. We all have the same motivations and mission. It's just to help people find the person that's right for them. I love that you shared about technology, and that kind of made me curious about it because everything happening on either dating app or even just dating in general, most of the thing had to be done virtually or remotely during this time in the last 15, 16 months. Did that impacted you and how you work with people in one way or the other? 
Actually, it impacted us for the better because, as I mentioned, then people realize, especially from the urban centers, as they move back home, didn't re up on their leases, you know, they're going back into the suburban communities or rural communities that they grew up in. They're living with their parents. And it was like, well, the apps and their geo filters were no longer applicable. It was just not going to work for them. So I think that worked at our benefit. We got a huge influx of people signing up to say, okay, the geolocation is not going to work on these apps. Let me talk to somebody who knows my preferences and will then help me search because I might be back in Michigan temporarily, but my life is in New York and my lifestyle is in New York and I want to stay engaged with that you know, community. And so I think that the pandemic silver lining was the fact that people were like, oh, this is a limit of technology. I, there's geofencing and all that's not going to work for me when I've got circumstances that are changing. I love that. And I, I think it was a, for, again, for me, I met my partner right before the pandemic. So the first couple of months, we were not seeing each other. And it gave us the opportunity to really get to know each other, ask each other questions, and we we're not physically in the same space for it really had to like rely on our conversation and a communication. And it was a really good practice for us to really, what is it like for us? What's important for us? Like, how was your day? And he's the person kind of taught me um, how important it is for me to hear how are you on a regular basis. So I agree with that. Like this geographic taking away from the equation, the technology, it could totally work in our favor if we choose it with clear and right intention and seeking what you want. And if we don't, like you said, we learn something. It's called slow dating. That's the term. And you're, I agree. I love it because one of the biggest complaints with the, the apps or the dating scene in general is that I go on so many bad first dates. And that's the thing is people are jaded. They don't want to go on bad for states anymore. Well, how easy is it then once you connect with somebody, talk to them on a video call, on a FaceTime call and know right away, am I physically attracted? Is there chemistry? Can we talk? And then stop those bad first dates. It's easy to do a 45 minute video call from the privacy of your own home than leaving, schlepping out to a restaurant, spending money, this and that, just for another bad first date. So I think if anything, even once we go back to quote unquote normal, um, maybe not so much urban centers like San Francisco or New York, but all of the other cities or some of the bigger suburbs, I think that video dating or at least an initial touch point is here to stay because people realize how much more it's, it's optimizing their time. Mm, I agree. Does that also translate to the long-term relationship? I think that it'll, it's a better foundation because you're you're talking just like you mentioned for you it, how important was it to hear how are you on a daily basis knowing that somebody is thinking about you and cares about you on a daily basis so that connection i think is going to be felt much more easier when you've got technology to help facilitate that um i you know let's say you're in new york you're you're dating somebody that you met you go on a date with them on a tuesday then you might text here or there, but then you know, okay, I'm going to see them on Sunday. So there's no real interaction until you see them again on Sunday. And so that that gap and that, that void that's happening versus if you are kind of already leaning on technology, you know, hey, every day at eight o'clock, instead of me watching Netflix, 
I'm going to FaceTime you for 15 minutes and then we'll meet in person on Sunday because we both have to drive an hour. Right. Like, so I think that you can, you can combine both of those, especially in the beginning of a relationship when I hear a lot from my, my clients, they're busy. I get it. Everybody's busy and you don't necessarily want to devote that much time and effort and energy into somebody that's not going to work out. So having technology to let you do that 10, 15 minute check-in to do a little bit of a snippet of what would dating this person look like. Um, it's just going to optimize your time and effort and energy so that you're not so jaded and you're not going all these bad first dates. I love all of this thing. So I'm super excited that you're doing what you do and your clients are growing, your team's growing. And you mentioned earlier, you're also a huge advocate in South Asian community and you have another matching program, the Be The Match. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so that is our official charity. It's called Be The Match. Um, it's part of the Bone Marrow Donor Registry um, Association. And for me, it's very, it's near and dear to my heart. Obviously, cancer has affected uh, so many people out there, me included, my family included. Um, but what I really liked about Be The Match is that they have identified that bone marrow matching in the South Asian and Asian community brought more broadly is very, very hard. And so getting the uh, compatible bone marrow donors is, is, is next to impossible in a country like America when, you know, the, the beauty of a melting pot, but finding enough of that population sample size to find a donor match is very hard. Be the match has identified that and they work actively in the South Asian community to do registries and get people signed up. And, um, you know, I, I encourage everybody who's listening as well. It's very easy. It's a cheek swap. You can do it from the comfort of your home, get registered. You never know who you're going to match with and whose life you could save. You can make a decision later on down the road. If you are a match with somebody, if you want to go through with it, but please, please, please just go ahead and register and get the word out there. Um, Be the match does a lot in, in um, religious areas. So like temples, mosques, they go to community organization. Their whole goal is just to get everybody registered. So maybe down the line, if you could save somebody's life, you know, that that's an opportunity that you could have. So that is near and dear to my heart. And that's when we partner with them. Um, we encourage registration. We do um, kind of fundraising drives every couple of years, uh, a couple of times a year. But fundraising is not their main mission. Their mission is awareness and get people registered. You're such a badass. When I first saw that in your website, wow, there's only 30 something percent, right? Like, yeah. The people match. Um, it's yeah, really sad. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not only matching the souls and lovers, you're matching people and their physical wellness. So thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. And I have a, one more question to ask you. But before I do that, can you please share how people can find you and get in consultation or anything that you're doing so that they could be happy? Absolutely. You can find us pretty much anywhere at Single to Shadi. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Um, clubhouse we do a lot of good discussions if you, you know like ask me anything session the clubhouse um, but we're pretty much everywhere at single to shadi our website is single to um, and my name is Radha Patel you can email me Radha R-A-D-H-A at single to shadi.com I love it please reach out to her she is awesome and so my last question for today's conversation is what is a message or a call to action that you want to share with the audience today my message would be 
don't give up. I know that it seems like it's tough. The world, the last 15 months has been scary. Um, you know, there's a lot coming at us, but if, if love and companionship is a priority in your life, don't give up. Don't let other people, you know, influence your reality. Um, there is someone for everyone in every stage of their life. And we're here to help if you need it, but, you know, just be, just be in tune with who you are and what's important to you. Don't give up. Don't give up. That is today's it's message that it's beautiful. I guess today we had Radha Patel. Thank you, Radha, for being here today and sharing your super, super amazing wisdom with us today. Yuko, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your podcast and spreading love and awareness in the world. It's just, it's very beautiful and I'm excited to be a part of it. Please go check out Single to Shadi in the description below. If, and if you're a South Asian person, please go check out their Be the Match Donor program and register. And always remember, don't give up. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Love Live Life podcast. Don't forget to visit my website, Yugo. It's lovelivelife.com and I'd love to connect you there. You can sign up to my weekly newsletter or join my Patreon community and talk more about art, people, and social good. Till next story, let's stay connected.